Thank you for joining us for this message. Whether you're watching for the first time or simply catching up on a message you've missed, we are so glad that you're connecting with God's Word today. Our hope is that as you listen to the message, you will experience a real encounter with God. Please consider giving financially to support God's work through our ministry. You will find several options to do that by clicking on the word give in the menu on our website at kentwoodcommunitychurch.com. Happy Mother's Day. Uh we're going to read from God's Word together, Deuteronomy chapter 6. My daughter Kalia is going to help us out. So I'll read the first verse, and then you'll go ahead and read along with her. Sound good? Yes. All right, let's do this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames of your houses and your gates. All right, let's pray together. Lord God, we are so grateful for another morning another Sunday morning that you have given us to come together as a church family, to know you more, and to get prepared to make you known in this world. We are so grateful for all of the families represented here, and we just pray today, Lord, that um, the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable to you, O Lord and our Redeemer. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, and everybody here at KCC and at home said... Amen. Thank you so much, Clea. You can go and have a seat. Y'all can go have a seat as well. Well, today on this Mother's Day 2022, I believe that God has something for each and every one of us. Even if you're not a parent, even if you're not a mom or a dad, uh, you are probably a brother or a cousin or a grandpa or a grandma or a third cousin twice removed by marriage or something like that. And uh, scripture tells us that he who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. And I'm not dead yet, so I believe God's not done. Anyone else? Yes? <laughs> well, this last month, uh, my husband Jared and I, we took our two kids, Caden and Kalia, to the Ark Encounter. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Ark Encounter. Uh, it is essentially a life-size replica of the Ark, you know, from the story of Noah and the flood. Well, I have read that story many, many times, and it says that that boat is 300 cubits in length. I don't know about you, but I don't know how big a cubit is. <laughs> so when we got to the Ark Encounter, we pulled up, and we got our tickets, and we took the tram, and it takes us up there. And the enormity of the size of this boat was jaw-dropping. I mean, it turns out that a cubit is kind of big, and so 300 cubits put together is even bigger. Um, if you know anything about this story of Noah, you know that he received this blueprint design from God himself on how to build this boat. It was so important because this boat was the home for Noah and his family. 
because those flood waters came and they covered everything in all of creation. And it, this home protected Noah, his family, and a whole bunch of animals for anywhere between, I don't know, 200 and 360 days. That was one really tough boat. Our culture can feel an awful lot like the waves. You see, Noah and his family, they had no control over the waves and what was going on outside. But what they did have control over was that boat. And Noah had an opportunity to build a boat based on what he thought and he perceived or based off of the instructions, the explicit instructions that God gave him. What if he would have built that boat a cubit shorter or a cubit longer? Would it have lasted the storm? Today, we want our families to represent this idea of this boat. And we want to be determined to build our families on Christ. We have no control over what the world is going to say or do. It's always been crazy. It's going to continue to be crazy. But what we do have control over is our homes, and we have an opportunity to build a Christ-centered family. That's what we're going to talk about today. Like I said, uh, my husband Jared and I, we have two kids. They're 8 and 10, almost 11, like my son keeps reminding me constantly. So that means I've been parenting for about 11 years. And so I'm just wondering for any of you who have been parenting longer, when it's going to start to get a little bit easier. <laughs> I don't know, why are you guys laughing? Uh, I've been in youth ministry for over 15 years, so I'm well aware that parenting teenagers is a walk in the park. Blindfolded, walking backwards, going up and down Mount Everest, on your tiptoes, right? And parenting at any age and stage is very difficult, right? And there's so many variables that play into the dynamics of our family. And I'm not sure if you knew this, but if you are a part of a family or you were ever part of a family, there are many opinions out there about families. From the moment our children are born, or maybe even before that moment that your children are born, there are so many strong opinions about parenting. I mean, I've literally read two books that had counteracting views on parenting, and they both sounded like really good ideas when I was done with them. There's thousands of blogs and podcasts and books that talk about parenting. And so my prayer is that today would not just be more good advice, but that's, that this would be a sound source from God's word on building that Christ-centered family. Now I know that there might be some people today who are sitting here thinking, oh no, you don't know my family. Like, we're really messed up. I have one thing to say to you. Welcome! <laughs> this is a safe place, right? The Bible tells us that all have sinned and everyone falls short of the glory of God. This is not a message about being a perfect family. This is a message about being a Christ-centered family. And if you feel like, oh no, my family's too far gone, you're in good company because there are maybe more examples in scripture of dysfunctional families then there are a functional ones. You don't have to go further than the very first family in all of creation. You have Adam and Eve, right? 
people that God created from the very beginning and they sinned and they blew it and they blamed each other and they got kicked out of the garden and they had kids. And what happened? The eldest kid killed the youngest one because he was jealous. So you, my friends, whatever your family situation, you are welcome here today. Remember, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. This passage from Deuteronomy chapter 6 that I just read a moment ago with my daughter, it's part of that is used in this famous prayer that the Jewish tradition would still pray even today, twice a day. It's called the Shema or the Shema, I've heard it said, or probably somebody would correct me on all those pronunciations. Um, but this prayer would be said twice a day, morning and night. And there's something to saying something every single day, twice a day. When you say something over and over and over, enough times, what happens? It sticks in your brain, right? When you look at this passage of scripture, it's really broken into two different sections. So that's what we're going to take a look at, uh, what this prayer focuses on. In the first part is really talking directly to parents about finding your identity. And then the second part is about living life intentionally. So let's break it down. Let's talk about that first part. Hear, O Israel, our Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Parents in the room, this verse talking to us. How we define ourselves has incredible influence on our children. Our directly, our, our identity is directly related to our relationship with Jesus or lack thereof. If you're online or on site and you have accepted Christ as your savior, you are a child of God, period. And that should define us more than our house, more than our job, more than our spouse, more than our kids, more than the sports team that we like, more than what you wear, right? Our identity needs to be solely wrapped up in that and oh, how quickly we forget. At the core of who we are, this passage says, you wanna make an impact on your kids? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. Because otherwise, we're going to forget who we are. A few years ago, Jared and I, we were on this work trip for him and it landed us in Orlando, Florida, for a few days, suffering for the Savior. And uh, it was really great to be on this trip. We didn't have our children with us. All the parents in the house said, woo, right? And the best part about this trip was the very last day was a freebie day. So you know what we did. What any good parent without their kids would do, we went to Disney. <laughs> and uh, I am one of those sorts of people that when I go to places like that, I don't like to carry, I don't like things on me. I don't like a purse, I don't like a bag, maybe a fanny pack, that might be about it. I just don't like the excess. 
but I am also a very paranoid person. <laughs> and I feel like I have a constant need to have my ID on me at all times. Like, I don't know, in case I fell dead and they needed to ID my body, okay? So <laughs> I wanted to have my ID on me, didn't want to take my purse. All the women in the room know that women's jeans have absolutely zero purpose with their pockets. You can't carry anything in them. So I did what any smart wife would do, and I gave my ID to my husband. And he put it in that gigantic pocket that he had in his shorts and zipped it up where it was safe for the day. We didn't end up needing it. So the next day, we're at the airport. Some of you are already knowing exactly where I'm going with this. We decided at the very last moment to check our bags because we could for free. Why are you saying no? So I get up to that security line. I have my ticket. I open my wallet, and there is no driver's license in there. And all of a sudden, I am desperately trying to think of where that is, and I realize it's in the shorts pocket of my husband's shorts that we just checked 10 minutes ago. So there I was trying to prove with all that I had that I am me. I am me. Can't you see there's nobody else like me, right? Um, but apparently you can't just say that at an airport. And they asked if I had any other sort of photo ID. Apparently they would have accepted a Costco card, which I think is a little bizarre. Um, but I did not have one. I didn't have any photo ID with me. So they took me to the side. Yes, the side area that's corralled off. I had to fill out this extensive uh, form saying who I was. And I watched my husband go further and further past the security line. He was, our, he was ahead of me, so he had already gone through. And then I had to be interviewed. And while I was being interviewed, they took my information on the form, and they are trying to verify all of my answers on their computer. I would say an answer, and they'd be like, I actually was paranoid. And I'm like, what, what if they don't think that I'm me? I'm, I, I was so desperate in that moment to let them know who the real Angela was. Do you know who you really are, parents? Do you know your identity? The hard questions of life, who we wrap ourselves up in. I've been there, had moments where it's like, oh, am I just a mom and a wife and a pastor? Is that my ID? My, ID? my identity? No. I'm a child of God. The very best thing we can ever do for our kids is to love the Lord our God. And this comes from a deep and genuine relationship. Parents, if you try and fake it, your kids are going to see it. Right? They're going to know it anyways. Because when we come to this deep, genuine relationship with God, comes this submission that we all really don't love to do all the time. And then we come to a place and we say, everything else is garbage compared to knowing Jesus Christ. Amen? Everything. We come to this place where we say, God, 
The old has gone and the new has come. Maybe I used to yell at my kids, but I'm not going to anymore because I'm going to let you change me. Maybe I used to be kind of sarcastic and snappy with my husband because I was irritated after a long day, but I don't have to be because I can't submit to the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's really hard for me to say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? But if I'm submitted to Christ Jesus, I can, even if it's hard. Have you ever said, I'm sorry to your children? I remember saying that to my kids when they were two years old. Talk about a humbling moment. Just a few weeks ago, we had Easter Sunday. It was an awesome service. And we had this spontaneous baptism at the end of service. Some of, some of you were here for that, yeah? A couple of you? Uh, one of my friends, their child was baptized that morning. And uh, after the service, and it was not a planned baptism. They hadn't planned on it. It was spontaneous. They knew it was coming, but they didn't know if he was going to or not. And after the service was over, their child, right after getting baptized, was wearing dry clothes. And that just really baffled me. I was like, I don't, he was just baptized. Like, this, there's some holy thing going on here that dries your clothes off. So I just went up to uh, my friend and I said, what happened? You know, I know that your son just got baptized. How was he wearing dry clothes if you guys weren't planning on it? And you know what she told me? She said, well, this morning before I left the house, the Holy Spirit prompted me to bring some dry clothes for him. I have thought about that ever since she told me that. What an incredible example that woman is to her family. Real, genuine faith. She's just living her life and listening to the Holy Spirit. And so, okay, well, okay, you said to take extra clothes, I'll just take them. I don't know if we're going to use them, but I'm going to live on faith. Deuteronomy chapter 6 says right off the bat again, there is no greater thing, not money, not wealth, not status, not experience, not even education. Those are all good things, right? But the best thing, the best thing is to live out your faith in front of your kids. I'm blessed to have my parents here in the room with us today. Um, and my parents, they are wonderful. They're not perfect. <laughs> They're like, no, we know that. And they never pretended to be, and we had our shares of highs and lows. But I would say the very best thing that they did as parents were they just genuinely lived out their faith. And uh, I have these particular memories of my mom uh, as a young child. Sometimes uh, I would wake up in the middle of the night often and I would have to like get a drink or go to the bathroom and it would be 2 a.m. So I'd wander across the hall and many, many times I can remember the living room light was on and there my mom was sitting reading her Bible. I don't know why she couldn't sleep. I don't know. Everybody in the room, like lots of you can't sleep at night. Maybe she was worried, she was probably worried about us sometimes and those foolish choices we were making. Maybe she was having a conflict with somebody or something that was keeping her up. But she made the deliberate, intentional choice 
when she couldn't sleep to read God's word. And the most beautiful thing about that picture I have in my head is she wasn't doing it because she thought that I was watching. She just did it because she was living out her real and genuine relationship with Jesus. James Baldwin said, children have never been very good at listening to their elders, but they have never failed to imitate them. If your children were to imitate your relationship with Jesus Christ, what would that look like? The second half of this prayer focuses on this aftermath of loving God. So we come to relationship with God, and then there's all this stuff that we get to do. It says this, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk on the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. And the them that they're talking about here are God's commandments. The fact that God loves your kids. He created them. Your children, they have a plan and God has a purpose for them. God came and he sent his son to die for them so that they could live free from sin and free from self. He came to give them life to the full. It's teaching our kids, God is faithful. God's word is true. God can be trusted because he's been for thousands of years. You remember the story of Noah, right? He built this ark with very specific instructions and measurements. And can you imagine if he would have planned building this boat and he just grabbed some wood and he just started cutting it? That would not have worked out very well. Um, I'm not a master builder by any means. But my first year out of college, I had my own apartment. Strong, independent woman. I have my own apartment. And I went to Ikea to buy some furniture. Have you ever built anything from Ikea before? It's so fun. Can't wait to do it again. Uh, I don't do it anymore. I ask my husband to do it. Um, but when you open up a piece of furniture from Ikea, they put little stickers on everything so people like me can figure it out. And here's A, and A goes next to B, and then B goes next to C, and so on. You see where I'm going with this? So I'm like, I have a college degree. I can read these instructions, and I have a screwdriver, which it says that's the only thing I need. So I can do this, right? I can create this TV stand that will hold up my TV. And when I was done, I was so proud of myself. I was like, this TV stand? That looks good. I built that. That's amazing. And then I realized I accidentally left one of the unfinished edges facing out. I've accidentally done a lot of things. Like, well, the other day I accidentally ran a red light. I'm sorry. Didn't mean to. I know. Uh, the other day, I accidentally borrowed a book from the library too long, and I got one of those emails that comes from KDL. Uh, I accidentally hurt my husband's feelings with a flippant word that I said. There's a trend here. Most of my accidental acts typically have a negative reaction. 
I've never accidentally become best friends with somebody. Um, I've never accidentally gotten stronger. I've also never accidentally gotten closer to the Lord. And if we are not careful, I'm so afraid that we fall into this trap of accidental parenting. Let me explain what that looks like. Drifting through seasons as a mom with I'm tired or worn out. And it's just easier to be lazy. But when I am that way, and I simply react to what's happening all the time, it's just a reaction, reaction, reaction. I'm giving my kids my leftovers. I'm allowing my own laziness to have an effect on my parenting. And there is too much at stake for my accidental or my lazy parenting. Have you seen the culture? Have you seen the waves out there? I have. I'm not afraid of them, but I want to be prepared and I want to raise children who are prepared. That's why Deuteronomy says, impress them on your kids. Talk about God's goodness when you're at home. Talk about his faithfulness before you go to bed. So it's the last thing your children hear before they say goodnight. When you walk around the neighborhood, are you praying for your neighbors? Whatever you do, do it intentionally. Do it on purpose. Do whatever you can. 940. That is how many weeks you have with your children from the day that they're born until the moment they turn 18. 940 Saturdays and Sundays. 940 weeks and weekends to bring a child up in the way that they should go so that they will not depart from it. What are you going to do with your 940 weeks? There's a couple components to this. The first I like to call intentional discipleship. So we're going to get a little nitty gritty here. Simple. Choose a place, choose a time, and choose a rhythm. Growing up for us, it was right after dinner, before we even left the table. You know, my parents, were, it was like, sit down, don't get up, we're praying. Um, for us now, it's right before bedtime, right? After like all the craziness and the fun Jamazon jungle and the brushing your teeth and all that, yeah, yeah. Uh, our rhythm right now, our place is our living room. Our time is right before bed. And our rhythm is any conglomeration of devotional reading, singing, and prayer. And like many of you, we have a different schedule almost every night of the week. So we aim for about three nights a week as a family that we will do this rhythm. And yours does not have to be the same as that. Please don't say any pressure to do that. But what sort of intentional discipleship are you having at home? You could read the Bible together. I mean, if you have older children, there's like, hey, we're just going to read through the Bible and we're just going to talk about it. And then you could pray. Parents, are you, if you're uncomfortable with praying out loud, you can all learn together, right? Uh, maybe it's scripture memory. Or maybe, again, maybe you do like a family walk. Maybe that's part of your habits. But what if you started to pray? for the houses and the people that live in the houses as you go by. 
there's incredible resources out there. We already mentioned many of them, right? There's thousands of books and blogs. And Hannah, our children's director, if you've got younger kids, she would love to connect with you. And Christian or myself, we would love to connect with you, parents of those teenagers, teenagers, uh, on how to best disciple your children. We don't have all the answers, but we can connect you with those that do. And while I'm at it, I'm sure y'all noticed these amazing children that sang. You guys all saw them? Do you know that's when our children are down there, that's not babysitting, right? That is discipleship. Our children's ministry, we are committed to introducing children to Jesus and helping them make those first steps in their faith. And that happens every single week. And every Sunday, you're just going to plug student ministries every single Sunday night. If you have a junior high or middle school or high school student, we're here to help you. You are the primary disciplers of the kids, but we want to come alongside of you. So every single Sunday night, you drop them off at 6, and we are raising up a generation of world-changing teenagers, a lot of which are in this room. And I'm so proud of so many of you. And I get it. You're busy. I'm busy. The person next to you is busy. The person in front of you is busy. We have resumed all busyness, right? Since the pandemic, it's, we're all just in full mode. But we cannot be too busy to disciple our children. The second part of this discipleship I like to call spontaneous discipleship. Just turn to your neighbor and say spontaneous. Because I feel like you need a little spontaneity in your lives. <laughs> yes, we learn about God at church, right? Yes, our children are learning about God and real kids and at student ministries. But we also learn about God in our everyday lives, right? It happens every day in our cars and at the dinner table, when you're playing games together and when you're just running errands or attending one of their sports events. All of that has discipleship moment opportunities. And there's a few things that I think will be really helpful, parents. The first of which is removing your distractions. There are so many things that try and keep us from being fully present with our kids. And for me, I'm just going to be vulnerable and honest with you. There's typically one thing that is the biggest culprit of that, and that is my phone. You see, I grew up in this 80s, 90s generation where if I wanted to use a phone, I grabbed it off and it was connected to the wall with a little cord and there was no caller ID, so you never had any idea who it was. I would say, hello, the Teal residence. And uh, so that was what I grew up with. And then I became an adult and this very wonderful and very stupid thing came into my life. It's embarrassing to admit to admit to you that there have been more than once where my children asked me to put my phone down so I could pay attention to them. This piece of technology, it's not all bad, don't get me wrong, but it does have a tendency of sucking us away from being fully present. All you have to do is go to a restaurant and you see somebody on a date and they're not even looking at each other, right? That's been me before. What kind of boundaries 
Do you have in place, you parents, adults, even if, okay, when I said, even if you're not married and if you're single or whatever, like, what boundaries do you have on yourself so you can be fully present, so you can hear from the Holy Spirit, and you can pass that on to whoever you're with, whether that's your children or your friends. If we're so self-absorbed in our own worlds, we're never going to hear. And then here's the second part, and I'm not going to go down this road fully, but what kind of boundaries, parents, do you need to help your children put in place with their technology? If we are not going to help them figure that out now when they're in our homes, they're in trouble. The second thing, so we're going to remove our distractions and then we're going to remember our words. Yes, our children are watching and sometimes they're listening. <laughs> Mostly they're watching, right? They watch our habits. They watch the good and the not so good. They see how we react when someone cuts us off and the car. They see how we treat the person at the fast food restaurant that is not moving at the pace that we would like them to. And they hear the way that we speak to others and they see the way we treat our spouse and our family and our friends. I'm going to pause for just a moment because I know there are many different types of families represented here at KCC. And I believe wholeheartedly, as a single parent, you can raise a Christ-centered family. You can do it. Now, you're going to need a whole lot of support. You're going to need support. So you've got to find your circle. You've got to find your people that will commit to being that circle of influence that you want on your children's life. Amen? Married parents. Our children are watching how we treat each other. The words we say or don't say. Our children are learning from us by our example how they will treat other people and how they will one day treat their spouse. This is not a plea for perfection. This is not a guilt trip, so please hear me. We should be allowing the Holy Spirit to change us as Christ followers, we should be submitting to him. When you communicate, if you're married, do you have agreed upon rules of communication? Like, have you just decided there's just some words we're not going to say? Have you decided as a couple, we're not going to name call? We're just not going to go there. Have you thought through and had a discussion of how to have a healthy and helpful disagreement? And I would say for anybody, even if you're not married and if you're single, these things, you have to be thinking about them now. Because if you think it's just magically going to change the day you get married, you're in for a wake-up call. I am so afraid if we're not intentional about the words that come from our mouths they're going to do serious damage, not just to us, and not just to our spouse, but to our children. Ephesians 5.1 says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Psalm 127.1 tells us, The Lord doesn't 
build a house, the work of the builders is useless. If the Lord doesn't watch over a city, it's useless for those on guard duty to stand watch over it. I don't know about you, but if I have a choice of how I'm going to build my life, you better believe I want to follow the instructions given to me by the Lord. Not just for myself, but for my family. Because I have one life. I have one life to make a difference, not just for me, and not just for my husband, and not just for my family, but yours. And remember that song that they sang this morning? Your children and their children? I'm guessing you may not be here today because of yourself. You may be here because you had a parent or a grandparent who prayed for you. We have one opportunity and the storm is out there whether we are ready or not because someday those children are going to leave our homes. They're going to step out of that boat. And when they do, you better believe I want children who are anchored and rooted and grounded in who they are in Jesus Christ so that when they step out of the boat, they are a water walker. They walk on those waves and the world can do whatever it wants to, but they are secure in who they are are in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter what job they have. They are the Lord's and they know it. We want our children to be brave, confident, courageous, making a difference, not just for now, but for eternity. I'm not sure exactly what God's been laying on your heart this morning. I don't know your family dynamic, but this is just the message that God has put on my heart today. And we have a couple opportunities for response. For some people in this room, God has just put a fire in your heart and you, you just know, you're like, man, I've been lazy as a parent, I'm tired. We've not been intentional and we have to be. So in a moment, you could come, whoever, whichever of your family members are here, you just come up here and you just come to the front and you just pray together and you, this is a moment. This is a moment. We are standing here today. We are saying no more, no more laziness. We have to be intentional. We're going to do this. Moms, dads, grab your kids if they're here in the room. Bring them up here. You make this a moment. You pray a blessing over your children. There may be some people here, you're like, oh my goodness, I have not been fully present. Maybe it's not your phone, but it's something else. And you need to come and you need to bring your family and you say, we've got to be fully present. We can't let our technology keep us from actually having these personal relationships. We're doing this together. Or maybe when I talked about knowing Jesus and having an intimate relationship with him, you're like, I don't, I don't think I even have that. And God's been doing some transformational work in your heart. 
And if that's you, you can also come forward and you can bring your family. And there is other people in this room who you've been on my heart all week long because as you've sat here and as you've listened, you say, oh, Angela, I have done all those things and then some. And my children are not following the Lord. And we were intentional and we were spontaneous and we were present, but they haven't submitted or they're not. I'm guessing that you have pleaded with the Lord before. So you may be thinking, well, why would I come forward? I've already done that before. Because remember, you're here today because somebody prayed for you. Someone believed in you. What if they would have stopped praying? We can't stop praying. The Bible tells us never stop ceasing your prayers. So families, if that's you, and you just need to come before the Lord and again plead on behalf of your children. You just come on up to the front. And we want to come around you. There's going to be people, if you don't fit in any of these categories, I would invite you to come and just pray for people as they do. You don't need to know their family dynamics. You just come up, come put your hand on their shoulders, just pray a blessing over them. Pray that God would bless their family dynamics, the words that they say, the words that they don't say, the way that they treat each other, their relationship with the Lord. Can we do that together, church? Lord God, I just pray right now in these next few moments that this would be a holy moment that we would commit ourselves fully to you. Families, I'm just going to invite you now, if we could all just stand and then if you would like to come forward, come, just come right now. Just come, bring your families, come on. Just grab your families, grab your kids, say, okay, we're just going to make this a moment. We're going to stake, put a stake in the sand here, and we're just going to claim it. Come on down. If you're in the balconies right up here, come on down. Come to the front. If your children are not following God and it's just broken your heart, you just come and you just lift them up to the Father together. Go ahead, just come on up. Start praying together. Come pray. Uh, pastors, leaders, teachers, anybody, just come on. Let's pray behind them. Let's support them. Let's love them. We're going to have a moment and we're just going to let you pray. We're just going to let the Spirit do whatever he wants to do and I'm going to close our time out together. Lord God, we are so grateful for all of these families, for our families that are watching online together. We're so grateful for all of, our, all of our families that are here on site with us, all of the different families that are represented. You have created and you love each and every one of them. 
Lord God, I just wanna pray a special blessing over all of them, whatever their family situation is like, regardless of where they are this morning, Lord God, that they would be able to be a Christ-centered family, focused, rooted, grounded, secure in their identity and in you. Lord God, if there are bad habits, Lord, that we've cultivated and created that aren't from you, help us to be strong enough to say no to those things. God, if there are habits that we need to cultivate in our lives, I pray that you would help us to establish those so that we can honor you and bring you glory. And Lord, I pray a blessing on those parents who have maybe done all of the things that they thought they should do and then some, and their kids just are not following you and don't love you and aren't living for you. Jesus, I pray on behalf of them that you would draw them to your side. In Jesus' name, we cannot change our children, but you can. And Lord God, we just echo the prayer that Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 3. We pray this over our children, that they would fall to their knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything on heaven and earth. We pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, that he would empower our children and our families with inner strength through his spirit, that Christ would make his home in our hearts as we trust in you, that our roots would grow down deep in God's love and keep us strong, and that we would have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep the love of Christ is, that we would experience the love of Christ that is too great to fully understand, that we would be made complete in all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. We pray this in the name of Jesus, the name above all names, the name who is capable to do more than we could ask or imagine. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen and amen.
church? Let's try that again. Amen, church? So the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace until we meet again. And all God's people said, amen.